Hello to Trent Vineyard. Hello also to those watching from across the Vineyard movement of churches. And to those of you new to us who may be looking for hope in these distressing times. I'm Debbie Wright and with my husband John, we lead Trent Vineyard and Vineyard Churches UK and Ireland with amazing staff and leaders. It's so good that we're able to meet like this online. As John and Susie said earlier, the church isn't stopping. It's just going to look different. We're streaming this morning and this evening. Now, we've not been here before. We're told we may lose loved ones. Many will suffer financially. It's going to be very distressing. And social distancing is so hard and painful, especially on the day we celebrate mothers. We long to be with them, but many of us can't. And so I pray, Heavenly Father, we thank you for our mothers, bless them and strengthen them. My own mum is in her 80s and uh, she and my dad are very elderly and they are isolating. They live in the north of London and they are used to meeting up for coffee with friends several times a day. And this is so hard for them and it's hard for all of us who are at a distance from those that we love. You wouldn't be human if you weren't feeling the weight of this. I certainly am. This global pandemic is causing not just sickness and death, but panic and fear. And on top of it, there is hype and confusing data. Who do we trust? How do we act? Folks, it's in the face of all this that the Lord speaks to us through his written word. So before I read from the written word, I want to just pray, God, you are awesome and wonderful. Thank you that you're with us. You're close. You're our comforter. You're our healer, you're our provider, you're our sustainer. And we draw close to you at this time and anoint me as I speak. Amen. Now, last week, when our church was gathered for the last time in this season, John, my husband, talked to us about responding not out of fear, but out of love. God wants to help us respond out of love such that we can think and act beyond ourselves. Now, someone in the Bible who was able to think and act beyond himself from a place of love and not fear was the Apostle Paul. At one time, a teacher of the law who had once persecuted Christians. His whole life changed when he encountered the risen Jesus, God's son. And he went on to preach the gospel. He went on to plant churches and write letters to those churches. And one of the letters he wrote was to the church in Ephesus. Now, when he wrote this letter, he was in social isolation. He was in Rome. He was awaiting trial before Caesar, facing potential death penalty for sharing his faith in Jesus. And he was under house arrest, guarded by soldiers, confined and somewhat isolated. He was distanced from many of his friends and church family and having to depend on fellow believers to supply his daily food. And as this wasn't enough to bear, he knew there was a real possibility that he would die soon. In fact, Paul was beheaded a couple of years after writing this letter. And from that place of imminent danger and confinement, he writes this. So I'm going to be reading from Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 to 21. If you have a Bible or you have a device, you can look it up using a Bible app. Ephesians chapter 3, 14 to 21. It's entitled, A Prayer for the Ephesians. For this reason... I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. 
And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout generations, forever and ever. Amen. An amazing passage. So from this, I want to touch on a few things I sense God is saying to us. Important things that I believe will get us through in this season as it unfolds. Firstly, this prayer is a prayer because Paul's instinct is to pray. And so there he is kneeling before the Father. I can just picture him in a sparse room, alone with no one looking, there on a hard first century floor, uncomfortable on his knees. He turns to God in prayer. And in so doing, he turns us toward God in prayer. Why? Because he knows that God uses the prayers of his people. God answers prayers. And Paul starts with this passage for this reason. And he's referring to the previous verses where he says in verse 10, his intent, meaning God's intent, was that now through the church, that's us, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. Now it's a mystery that our prayer directed to God makes authorities in the heavenly realms take notice. There is a spiritual battle going on right now and God has invited us to work with him in prayer. And Paul goes on to say in verse 14, because of Christ, through faith in him, that's Christ, we can approach God with freedom and confidence. That is what Paul is doing and that's why he's doing it. Now, earlier this week, the Archbishop of Canterbury has called for a national day of prayer on this Mother's Day. We will be praying all over the nation today and at 7pm, we'll be putting lit candles in front of windows to declare that Jesus is the light of the world, even in this dark time. Some of you are watching and it's past seven, so don't worry, the day isn't over, you can do this later, it will count. Great things happen when we pray. In May 1940, it was the Second World War and Hitler's attack on continental Europe was advancing and the army's movements were posing an even greater threat to British shores. Added to this, the Allied forces were trapped by the advancing Nazi forces with their backs to the sea at Dunkirk. King George called a national day of prayer. He called the people of Britain and of the empire to commit their cause to God. Together with members of the cabinet, the king attended Westminster Abbey, whilst millions of his citizens in all parts of the Commonwealth and the empire flocked to the churches to join in prayer. In fact, there were queues to get into the churches in Westminster that day. Miracles happened after this prayer. Firstly, for some reason, Hitler, infuriating and overruling his generals, halted the advance of his armies. Secondly, a fierce storm blew through Flanders, grounding the German Luftwaffe, enabling the British army to advance on foot, hidden by the storm, scarcely any interruption from aircraft. Then after the storm, a great calm settled over the English Channel in the following days. 
the calm enabled about 860 boats, mostly civilian craft, to ply back and forth in a desperate bid to rescue as many of the British and Allied army as possible. Now, it was hoped that they might be able to rescue about 30,000 soldiers, which was about 10% of the army. But this to and froing went back for three, uh, back and forth for three days. And when the German army finally renewed their attack, 10 times the expected number of soldiers had been rescued. Churchill called this a miracle of deliverance and a second day of prayer was called to thank God for the lives that were saved. Now we don't always see the answers we think we need and sometimes we don't even get to see the answers at all. Paul, under house arrest, potentially facing death, prayed for the church. What he didn't know or lived to see was how despite persecution, plagues, famines, wars, those prayers were answered as the church grew far and wide across the Middle East into Europe and the world and how God's church continues to grow today. In this dark time, God is calling us to a great purpose in prayer. I want to encourage you to pray audacious prayers. Just the other day, a businessman who's a friend of ours was burdened with having to lay off 30 of his staff. So he prayed with his pastors and family that God would intervene. And this week, those prayers were answered. While he was having a final goodbye lunch with those staff, he received a surprising call, a kind customer offering contracts to all those employees. Now, Paul is also inviting us to look to God as father. He says, for this reason, I kneel before God as father. And so the same God who is able to strengthen us with power through his spirit, that's our Father, our Heavenly Father. The same God who through Christ roots and establishes us in love, he is our Father. There is an intimacy available to us. I believe the Father's love for us right now is very real. And Paul wants us to grasp that the love that we gain in Christ God's Son is wide and long and high and a deep love It's a love that surpasses knowledge. He wants us to be filled with that kind of love. This love will not only carry us through, but it will enable us to carry our loved ones and others along the way. This kind of love is a selfless love. It's a love that doesn't hoard for ourselves. It considers the weak and vulnerable and those on the front lines like nurses and doctors who need to be strengthened in these times. In the first century, There was a Catholic priest called Father Joseph Damien and he, knowing this kind of love for himself and for others, he moved to live and minister in a leper colony. He poured his life out for them. He embraced them. He touched them. He loved them. And ultimately, he gave his life for them after he himself contracted leprosy, dying age 49. What an incredible example of love. Now, Paul locked away in confinement, shows us this love. From being pretty much alone, isolated, he oozes love. He displays no anxiety, no fear. He exudes confidence. His love is overflowing. I want that kind of love for myself. And that's what I want for all of us. That's what I'm praying for. You know, if we turn to our loving father in prayer daily, maybe even several times a day, I believe This is what will get us through. And then also, Paul wants us to know that we will be strengthened with power. 
In verse 16, he says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Now there is a strength and power available to us in this season. It's hard for us to imagine that beyond getting through this, we could actually get stronger. Paul is praying for God's spirit to work in us, to strengthen us with power in our inner beings. That means also our minds, our emotions, our spirit, our bodies. Strengthened with power in your inner being means we are strengthened in every way. You see, our mindset tends to separate all those things. But Paul had a Hebrew mindset and he would have known that they are all interconnected. Recently, I heard something interesting related to this interconnection. In 1 Corinthians 13, another letter that Paul also writes to the Corinthian church, he says this in verse 4 in chapter 14, anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves. So this is a supernatural language that God wants to give us. Now we may have assumed that that just spiritually edifies us, but it also appears that it may strengthen us physically. Dr. Carl Peterson, who's a brain specialist, he conducted experiments at the Oral Roberts University in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Now he found that when people pray and sing in tongues, two chemicals are secreted by the brain, which boosts the immune system 35 to 40%. It's part of the brain that appears to only be activated by spirit-led worship. Now, whether through the gift of tongues or the many other ways God empowers us, Paul prays that we should be strengthened in our inner beings with power through his spirit. That is good news. In these challenging days, when in our own strength, we could become exhausted and maybe sick, we need that kind of strength. Finally, God not only wants to strengthen us, but we also need to know what it says in verse 20 of this passage, that God is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine in this season. Alan Scott is a vineyard pastor in Anaheim, California. He wrote a book entitled Scattered Servants. And in it, he said this, the next move of God is not a movement in the church, but a movement of the church. It's an invitation to us. We have an opportunity in this time to shine like Jesus shines. What if, isolated as we are, we seek the strength that God our Father wants to give us by his spirit, such that we could be used as his scattered servants to love and serve and pray this nation through deliverance from this virus. And what if when everything settles back to normal, that normal will not be the same, that our nation will have cried out to God, humbled itself and joined us in worship and adoration of the one true almighty God, our Lord and Saviour, our King. I want, you invite, I want to invite you to turn to God and pray now. If you're with your family, let's pray now. If you're watching this on your own, let's pray now. You might want to kneel, then do that. If you want to lift your hands or bow your heads, then do that. And so, Father, we offer you our heartfelt prayers for our families and our communities, that your strength and your love would meet us all in the midst of this. We lift to you those on the front lines, those governing over us, those making critical decisions in hospitals, in commerce and education, in all spheres of work and life affected by this. Fill them with your strength and fill us with your strength. We lift our neighbours and folks who cannot work, our children and students who can't meet in schools and universities, for those whose livelihoods are threatened. 
we ask that you would do immeasurably more in us and through us, more than we can imagine. Deliver us from this virus, heal our land, forgive us where we have not sought you. And thank you, Lord, that through Christ our Lord and Saviour, we can know you as our Father. Amen. Now I want also to pray over you in the power of God's Spirit. If you have a friend or a loved one who is poorly now, or in the vulnerable category, or at risk, or even if you don't feel well, I just want to invite you to put your hands on your heart. If you're fearful or anxious, put a hand over your heart. And I ask everyone else who has faith in God to join me as I pray and put your hand out towards the device that you're using. So together, we speak protection over you. We speak healing in the name of Jesus. We command those with symptoms a quick recovery. We say coronavirus, leave, flee from these bodies. And from those who are anxious, we speak God's peace and strength and love. Goodbye. God bless you. Thank you for listening.